This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Welcome to this episode of Property Jam, the podcast where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And this week we are absolutely stoked because we have got a very special guest in the house. We've got the one and only Jill Fielding. And uh, save me mucking it up, Jill. Um, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself. I mean, anyone who doesn't know you is in property circles ain't worth talking to, quite frankly. But go on (laughs) in. Who are you? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting one because obviously I've changed a lot over my property investing career. When I, I first started as an accidental landlord 43 years ago, I never thought I'd be sitting here now having written, you know, six books about money and property and and having, you know, owning a company like Fielding Financial and uh, doing what I do. And so my life has changed a lot. So I was a very active investor in the early days, you know, with buy-to-lets mainly. Um, and gradually as my career has gone on, I've gone into sort of more passive investments and fancy pants deals. And then um, it's interesting, money's never really been that important to me. And I know some people would think that was a bit weird, but as soon as I had enough, uh, enough to feed the kids, I stopped being driven by the investment side and started to be driven by the education and the mission and all of that kind of stuff. So now I've got enough money to buy my biscuits. Um, I spend all the time writing and presenting and I do a radio show and I talk to anybody that will listen, um, all with the intention to inspire people to take action about their money. Um, so I'm, I'm very blessed with, you know, having had 25, 30 years of experience of trial and error, bluntly, uh, in the wealth creating world and now having the rest of my career talking about what I've learned. So uh, it's been a massive transition. And along that way, I've gone from rags to riches. I've gone from the gutter to, you know, having enough money. And uh, that's, that's been a phenomenal journey. Enough mm-hmm. money to buy your biscuits. I like that. <laughs> That's a good expression, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could do an episode called that. <laughs> yeah. Has your property got you enough money to buy your biscuits? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a song there as well. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. I'll, we'll leave you to think on that one, Mr. Musician. <laughs> okay, leave me 30 minutes. <laughs> Come back at the end of the episode. <laughs> come up with something <laughs> you're, you're probably the person jill that's been mentioned the most on our podcast when yeah. we're, we're, because you obviously mentioned there that you you do lots of talks you've got the training company and everything um and when we've been chatting about where we started the education that we've had the people that have influenced us then you'd happen to come up with an awful lot in those conversations <laughs> <laughs> so here we are we have yeah, from the horse's mouth um uh, yeah, the, the the person who um, lit the spark for the three of us, mm-hmm. um, definitely. So, Jill, out of well, I suppose we always ask this question uh, when guests come on: uh, What is the human side of property? What does that mean to you? Um, well, I I struggle to see property as anything other than human. Funnily enough, um, because every aspect of investing has to do with the people and it has to do with getting on with people. You get a better deal if 
you like people and you can communicate with people well you get a better tenant if you you know if you like them and understand them and understand what they want um, so property actually for me is about fulfilling the demand for a human being so I, I think it's as important as that um, and as long as the numbers stack up behind it um, I don't think the property in some ways is very relevant. And I always used to like in the early days when I was buying, you know, like two a week, um, I'd always much rather buy a property that the tenant had picked. So I'd do an advert in the local paper to say, you know, who wants a one bedroom flat? And if somebody phoned me up and I'd say, you know, where do you want to live? And they'd say, oh, buy the station. I'd say, well, are there any for sale down by the station? Oh yeah, there are. I said, well, go and have a look at it. And if it suits you, I'll buy you that one. So it's always been for me about <laughs> fulfilling a human need. And I'm obsessed about creating the product that fits the customer, which is the tenant in most cases, um, and creating something that, that works for them. So I think the human side of property is what property is about actually. Yeah. Yeah, very true. It's true, isn't it? I, I remember because when I sat in your three day workshop, I mean, the idea of even property had never even occurred to me. So, you know, just sitting there learning about it was just light bulbs are going off left, right and centre. But I think the message that came through loud and clear was very much the human side. Very much. It's about the people that you work with, because like you say, there isn't one aspect of property where you don't interact with somebody or some form of human being. And if you do not have a good relationship with that individual or that group of people, it's going to be challenging. You know, your projects aren't going to get done. You're not going to find the best financial product. You're not going to get the right tenant. You're not going to get a good letting agent. You know, all of that stuff is just so, so human. Plus all the emotional stuff that goes in and around you as well, tearing your hair out when your project's delayed and all the rest of it. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember um, actually when we were refurbing the house, I'm sitting in at the moment because I bought it as an investment. I didn't intend to live in it for very long. Um, and I would still come over because we had a, a, a young power team here because we started the work over the summer holidays. So there were lots of students involved. And um, the, the, the house is lucky enough to have a swimming pool. So first of all, I said they could use the swimming pool. So they were dive bombing in, in their lunch breaks, which was mm -hmm. fine. But um, I remember a day I came over with a huge bag of donuts because I've always done that because if you treat the the power team the workers you know even on a refurb if you treat them like you care for them they care for you and they're much less likely to do a rubbish job and to you know abuse your trust so um it's always been about uh, the relationships for me uh, all around mm -hmm. and it's funny i've got loads of tenants and i've got a lot of um uh overseas tenants and um, I find at Christmas, I get uh, my, I've got a local property manager that manages the stuff locally. And she comes over just before Christmas with the carload of, you know, Polish chocolates and cake and stuff that the tenants have, have left for me. Never met any of them. Um, but because I treat them well and I repair everything and I care about them and, you know, as soon as COVID started, we put in some protective measures for them. They, they reciprocate, you know, mm -hmm. and I get a lot of Polish cake. Never a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true, isn't it? I, I was, you just made me think actually about the power team because 
it's my builder so I've got two building teams one in Lincoln and one in Grimsby as you know and my Grimsby builder is always putting himself out there you know trying to get himself on LinkedIn trying to sort his Facebook page out and the amount of people that he signposts to me to give him a good reference which you know is he knows because he knows I really want him to do well in his business and because he's done such good projects for me we have a really good relationship and therefore we will always use each other to big the other one up and you don't Mm. get that if you haven't created that connection so I'm always happy to do it because I trust him and we you know he's really helped me out so yeah it's massive isn't it it is yeah absolutely Uh, so would you say that um your favorite cake is a polish cake (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I have to stick. I have to stick with the Battenberg is my favourite cake. I will say of all time, um, and I don't have. I, I'm presuming that comes from Germany in, in the ancient past. And I don't appear to have any German tenants. But you've now given me an idea. Um, next time I search for a German tenant, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> increase the range of cake. So, yeah, it's definitely more so, likelihood uh, of getting your favorite in, in the post <laughs> the tenant selection criteria on the uh, the application yeah. form yeah what cake do you make <laughs> yeah we've been um doing quite a bit of baking over lockdown actually i'm getting my hand into the vegan cakes um nice. so uh, have you have you been uh, taking up any activities anything different over the lockdown period well um Yes, I have. And that's kind of a question I'd like to ask you guys as well about what's been different for you. And there's been two things that are different for for me. Um, First of all, um, the the clock has gone out the window. I've stopped wearing a watch and I just do anything whenever I want to do it. I I live alone. so that's been quite interesting and i'm i'm gradually reverting to childhood again so i'm i'm eating a lot of jelly babies and uh, this week i've gone on to the hard stuff i've gone on to wine gums this week so <laughs> i'm eating a lot of sweets um uh, i'm wearing little socks with everything like i was a little girl going to school so my my sort of my presentation uh, personal presentation is becoming a bit weird um so i'm definitely regressing towards some kind of childhood <laughs> comfort i think that must be what it is is that you you go back to when you felt safe and secure so there must be something in there if there's any psychoanalysts watching listening they might have an answer for that but the other thing i've done which is totally totally out of character is i've sold a property i accepted, a, oh, wow. I accepted a, a, an offer on a property today now, I always say I'm a housekeeper. I keep houses. I, I don't sell. But what this shutdown has done for me is made me take stock and look at the bigger picture. And there I had this odd property in Sheffield. And I have to, I have to say, I've never, ever seen it. And it looks like I'm going to successfully own it for about 15 years without ever having gone up there. So I never (laughs) saw it when I bought it. And I sure as heck ain't going to go up there now before I sell it. I think I bought it from a good looking chap in a pub one night. It was one of those purchases. You know, it wasn't really, um, you know, evaluated properly, I don't think. Um, But I have sold a property or accepted an offer today. uh, And that's the first investment property I've sold for decades. And um, and I think what the lockdown has done for me is is look at the portfolio and say what makes sense collectively as a portfolio. And if I was starting from scratch, would that one be in it and would that one be in it? And the Sheffield one definitely wouldn't. So 
but in the bullet and sold a, sold a property. So I'm sort of hyperventilating really because I've not done this before or not for a long time, um, but it'll be fun. Um, so that was kind of my question for you guys as well. What have you done differently with your property particularly in, in lockdown? How Has it changed anything you do? Mm, mm, he's going to go first. Well, I think I'm asking more questions than I ever have done. I don't think I've ever been so in contact with my letting agent before. I think I've, it's, it, I suppose it comes from a, a place of panic or, you know, anxiety where all of a sudden these restrictive measures have come into place. And then the first thing you think about is, are my tenants okay? What should I be doing? You know, first and foremost, um, and you know are they okay can they afford to pay the rent what kind of payment plans will we have to put in place what if they can't pay and as you know i'm in the student market so i've been phoning up going is next year's cohort at risk you know we've we've got all the ast signed but you know how does this work because they're legal you know so you start interrogating everything that you're doing either in person on the phone to your power team in particular my letting agents but also a bit like you taking stock of what you have got and thinking is it enough is it diverse enough um, because what happened in the serviced accommodation market was a bit of a rude awakening for me because I was considering it and I'm thinking okay if you put all your eggs in that investment basket mm -hmm. you'd have been a bit <coughs> troubled wouldn't you so yep. I'm just a bit more yeah. I've been very reflective um, and interrogative I think is the, the noticeable change in behavior because normally I just <clears> let people get on with it sit back and if there's a problem they come to me but no I've been more proactive I think I, th yeah, I, think, I think, um, oh God, Niall. <laughs> Sorry. Lady, ladies first. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think very similar to you, Joe, I've been much more proactive um, and more involved in what's going on in the, in the portfolio. Um, as you know, we've got a lot of HMOs um, and co-living spaces. So just making sure that, you know, the tenants that are living together um, are following all the rules, uh, that they're being safe, that they're being hygienic, that they're looking out for each other as well as for themselves, um, and that they're aware of you know, what their rights are, what they can do if they lose their job, how to apply for benefits, that type of thing. Um, but as well as that, we've been looking at different ways of perhaps making it a little bit more streamlined and, and um, relying less on agents, um, more, having more, I guess, having more control of the portfolio um, and looking at ways of making it more run better um, systemize better um, without the involvement of so many different agents in, in up and down the country so I think um, I'm, I'm enjoying um, having more control of it and being more involved with it um, so I'm quite interested to see where that's going to go over the next oh, yeah. few months yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've got a lot of um, uh, overseas tenants as I said and uh, up until the start of lockdown lots of them still paid cash and because uh, it was the only sort of currency they understood. And I've managed to get them all onto automatic payment now into the bank. So yeah, that amazing. we don't have to have that um, contact uh, when we collect the cash. Um, so that's been a huge improvement just uh, in the manner that you said there, Niall. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I suppose in, in the same vein as Niall said, he's taking more control of the properties. Um, it means that I can take a step back and, you know, chill. <laughs> no. Uh, no I think one thing I've noticed uh, or just a realization that dawned on me just then is that um, I'm quite grateful that we've actually got a bit of a diverse portfolio so yes it's heavily HMO but actually we do have service accommodation we do have buy-to-lets and and actually across the whole 
it's been fine. Um, but if there were if if there were bits of the portfolio which were bigger, it would be cause more of a hole. So if the SA part was a bigger part of the portfolio, that would have been a, a huge dent uh, because you know, that property has brought nothing in 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 two and a half months. Um, and uh, you know we're hopeful that now people are going to be holidaying in the UK. So um, you know we're, we're looking forward to be able to get bookings back in again. Um, um, but um, yeah, I think just seeing seeing property work doing the thing it's supposed to do is i suppose it's comes back to the things that um you always talked about jill and, and taught us about um yeah having a diverse portfolio and also making sure that we're well just yeah when things you know the part of the front the shit hits the fan yeah, that okay. um it just it just works and the cash comes in and you know we had a few tenants that you know, didn't pay um but that's been resolved um and um, so i suppose that's been a realization in terms of doing things differently um the biggest thing that we've done is probably we've had notice in our office we've realized actually that our team can work really well remotely um so um yeah so we've got people that that used to come to an office that are not anymore that are working from home so um so we've, we've done that as a streamlining exercise and in the same breath we've taken on more staff overseas so actually because we're working well together as a as a team in the uk let's um you know get the best person for the job regardless of where they are so you know we've got people who are working within in france in the philippines in states you know, that are doing different parts of of our business so that's been really interesting and i suppose the thing that we're learning now is how to manage those people effectively and bring in systems to make sure that um yeah that, that, that things work well and to and you said about um, people and, and bringing people together on a similar so that you say so that there's a great communication and, and everyone's on the same page um the one thing we've done is actually really work on our core mission our core values um and and written it down and have a piece of a4 paper now that everyone gets and it says what we were about and what you know all, all these things that are us and we were kind of just distilled that down from um uh, from well from Four, four, four and a half years of doing property and and stuff and city and just making sure that we're only working with people that are you know, that are aligned with that. So that's mm. something that we've been doing. And I don't, I do not believe we would be doing all this if lockdown had happened. We would have probably steamrolled ahead with what we thought was going to be the right thing to do. And actually having something to just go ah stop and think. Um, I think it's I think it's an amazing time. And yeah. Uh, yeah. It is interesting because I, I doubt that the workplace will ever be the same again, um, which on one hand is a good thing, but on the other hand, it takes away the human contact, which mm. is, you know, the human side of property, as we've said, is so important. Um, so I do wonder what's going to happen there. And I think some people prefer and like the human contact um and some people like working from home and, and i think we're going to get people having more choice i've got a, a, a girlfriend that works for the open university and she's been doing all of her meetings on on zoom and, and, and other media and she said to me last weekend i'm never ever going to go back to having live meetings again because i can just stay at home and and, and talk to people on the computer and I said, are you kidding? The first chance I get to go back and have a meeting with a human being, I'm in the cup. 
because <laughs> I, I really like the, the human side and, and see, seeing people and, and like when I'm speaking, um, the reason I love public speaking is that I can see people laughing and crying and I can see the spark in their eyes and that to me is such a fundamental part of what I do and who I am. I wouldn't want to give that up. So uh, my coat's ready by the door. As soon as there's a meeting, I'm off. <laughs> I love it. I could just imagine you chomping at the bit, just wanting to get out there. I could just—I know you too well. It's so true. I miss—I must admit, Joe, I am missing teaching. It's that—it's that—that energy. You don't feel the energy on a screen, do you? It's different. You don't see those. You don't get that same reciprocal engagement. It's uh, there's something missing. No. But what is weird is even though I feel like the human side of property definitely has changed because it's become more virtual. It's become more remote. I don't think I have ever in my lifetime been so in touch with people over a screen. Like my days are full. So even though I'm not sort of interacting with them personally, like for example, these two, I've never, we speak honestly about four or five times. I know it's ridiculous. Yeah. I've seen you two more than anybody else. (laughs) I think it's brought, I mean, I feel like it's brought us closer in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So much time together, you know, and, and supporting one another through it. So it feels like you've got this connection, but there's this weird barrier. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that, that yeah. does feel different. It's quite good, though, because if we get fed up with each other, you can just click the end button and disappear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, Bye. I've lost contact. Yeah. Lost contact. Yeah, you don't have yeah. to make an excuse. You just press a button and you're gone. <laughs> no, I did that the other night. I was on a social. Did, by the way, for a bit of lockdown activity, if you want to do this, it's virtual wine testing. It's brilliant. So you get sent a box of wine and then you and a group of people on a Zoom call just go through taste and you've got a little scorecard and everything. It was fantastic. Needless to say, I probably had several glasses and felt a little bit squiffy by the end the conversation got to midnight and it was so boring I literally just thought I'm I'm gone I just exited it was so empowering it was so empowering I would never do that normally I'm normally the last one standing I was like see ya yeah I do know what you mean I miss I miss it but I also I'm very grateful for the fact that um I've got I've been brought closer to the people that really matter Mm. Um, that's Mm -hmm. been that's been a nice side effect of lockdown I think yeah yeah, I've been talking to my kids every week. Uh, we we have a Zoom chat every week. And uh, normally, I mean, I would speak to them individually and text them, that sort of thing. But to see their three little faces on the screen at the same time um, is, is nice. And uh, in a way, I hope we don't stop that because they live yeah. all over the country, my kids. So, um, uh, I mean, you know, I don't get to see them that often, but uh, to see them once a week, you know, sitting on their sofas, you know, eating their biscuits in their place is nice. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it. It's the financial freedom. You can pay for your own biscuits and your kids' biscuits. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, biscuits are plenty. Yeah. Biscuits are plenty. I love it. I think it's it's one extreme to the other, isn't it? Mm. So you when when you're forced into this situation and uh, someone has it an event, I can't remember what it was now. Someone said basically with uh, formed new habits. It takes what 21 days to form a new habit, and, and we're been in lockdown now for what, however many days it is. It's like 60, 70, 80 days. 70 days. That's right. 70 yeah. days. Um, so yeah, we've all got a new habit. Our habit is waking up and, and going to bed. Basically, <laughs> waking up and going to, going to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's waking up and going to work in the same in the same property. And um, before now, people that. Yeah, that's been enforced upon us so we've now got the habit of doing it so um we will do it and we'll do it more successfully than we did before um when maybe 
you know, no, no one's watching. You know, I'll just I'll just do a little bit of work here, a little bit of work there, and um, so we've got one extreme to the other. So it is finding that balance now back in the middle, where um, yeah, I think connection will continue. I honestly do think it will. Um, so and the technology as well is going that way. We've got this new Facebook portal thing that my mum went and just bought everyone and well bought the guys in the family that put a portal so that we could all um yeah just chat and have it on a, a uh, what do you call yes, it like a, yeah. like a photo frame yeah. and uh, it just oh, follows yeah. you around the room so it's oh, very clever i mean i think as a group of people property investors are incredibly lucky because you're right there matt we've got the choice Mm. Whereas there's going to be a lot of people that, uh, as soon as you know lockdown's completely over, will have no choice but to go back to their nine to five or the shop that they work in or the cafe they work in or whatever it might be. But that's the beauty of uh, property investing: is it gives you choice. Mm -hmm. You know, it yeah. gives you choice, um, and so you can choose whether you stay in front of the screen or whether you you go out. And uh, that's more than being just about money you know that's about life choice and freedom which, yes, uh, exactly. which is fantastic mm. yeah totally agree i've never been so grateful to be in property in my entire life you know mm -hmm. we always talk about it don't we that you do need to have something in place in case you know life throws you a curveball well this is a curveball of you know that's mm -hmm. gone on for a very long time um mm -hmm. so yeah very 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 grateful Mm. Yeah. it really brings home the messages that you know we teach all the time um and it's it's i think that's quite a, a reaffirming experience and so you know in lots of ways um you know despite it being very tragic and people have lost their lives i think it's done an enormous amount of good for the world as well um perspective definitely yeah yeah, yeah. great yeah, definitely so i think we're probably getting towards uh, the episode uh, roulette yes i've portion. just been getting it ready so um yeah we're good reading my mind there mr scott because she's scratching at the door and she's <laughs> so just as a recap jill um i'm going to scroll through all the episodes that we've got on my phone and you can shout stop at any point and wherever we stop you just give us your views on that particular topic okay so have you started scrolling i am starting now uh stop oh this is quite a good one Come on, episode seven before property oh oh god now you're gonna go to sleep uh, do you mean for me <laughs> yeah yep. for me before property before before property i was uh, a chartered accountant um uh, finance director a chief executive i was high up in the corporate world um and felt completely unfulfilled it was uh, really weird i was very successful in the city uh, achieved a lot and got a good reputation and uh, i became a tax expert and a trust expert so i was very knowledgeable um and then i realized that that wasn't for me and fortunately i was able to forget all of that within about 48 hours so it was lovely um and i was able to go to where I wanted to be, which was to be an entrepreneur. I think the corporate world for me wasn't ever fulfilling because although I could do it and I understood it and, it, uh, and it's left me with some very good lifetime skills, I never felt I could change anything. I never felt that I was ever gonna impact everybody or anybody. And then as soon as I sort of changed career path, it, and it took me a long time to change career path because I already had properties, um, I didn't need to work. So it took me 
maybe close on 10 years to work out where I, what else I wanted to do. Um, and it crept up on me gradually. And of course, and then, you know, my life is now one of fulfillment and uh, satisfaction. And I feel like I can change people's lives. And um, I've got the opportunity to do that. I can't always change people's lives. But if I've got the opportunity to spread the word and to tell people stuff, then there's a chance I'm going to make a difference for somebody. Um, and I never had that in the corporate life. Mm. Never had that at all. You know, even though I got to be quite senior and stuff couldn't really change anything um so um yeah i've gone from i think you'd say a gamekeeper to poacher really i've gone the other <laughs> way around i mean the, the skills that it has left me with is organization and discipline and spreadsheets you know some of my greatest friends are spreadsheets i just love all of that analysis and stuff and that must have come from my corporate background yeah. um, so it's left me with that uh but I'm glad to say nothing else. Uh, and people say, oh, it must be so good you're a chartered accountant. That must make such a huge difference with your property investing. No, no, don't make any difference to me at all. I'm glad to say I forgot all of that 20 years ago. Uh, you know, uh, and of course, as we keep saying, what's more important is the human side. Yeah. Uh, you know, not the accountancy and the, 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 the figures. You have to have it as a backup, but, you know, it's not as important as the human side. At the moment, Amazing. we're getting the feline side as well. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> I've done this, and the thing is, I'm not going to mess with her. She'll bully me. So uh, she's, she must know you're a cat lover, Jill. She's just yeah. jumped in. So we've got Hetty on the podcast with us now. So thanks. Very, very nice much. to see you, Hetty. <laughs> Stealing the show. <laughs> okay, so I'm scrolling again. Oh, do I do another one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, Uh Stop. Oh, this is a very relevant one for you. Goal setting. Oh. <laughs> and go. Well, yeah. How long have we got goal setting? Um, well, I can tell you, I didn't really understand goal setting for the first 20 years of my property investing career. And I did manage to make a million in that one, uh, in that 20 years. Uh, but then I cracked goal setting and, and mission setting and that kind of stuff. Uh, and everything just then moved on exponentially. And people don't like, a lot of people don't like goal setting. And I think it's because they don't like to um, formalize it, but you, you don't have to formalize it. Um, you can sort of set a goal that is fairly loose, like I'm going to write a series of five books. And, you know, as long as you're clear in that goal and you've written it down in some shape or form, you don't have to do fancy goal setting. Uh, but as long as you've written it down in some shape or form, it then becomes something purposeful rather than just a dream. Because a, a dream is a, a goal that's never been written down or uh, worked on. Um, so goal setting is just so important because it provides you with the focus of something beyond where you are yes. and, and I think people think our oh, goal settings about you know learning how to play the piano in two years time or whatever and, and it can be it can be that but it, it can also be a lifetime focus you know it can be like it's become for me a, a mission and a purpose and that rules every second of every day 
uh, for me to have that real strong drive of, of, of going somewhere really important. Um, so I urge everybody, however you do it, find some kind of goal setting technique and, and it doesn't have to be an overly formal thing. And I think that's why a lot of people don't do it. And I think a lot of people don't do it because they don't want to have to acknowledge that they've not succeeded at something, which is a shame, but... Um, fear of failure. Yeah, yeah, fear of failure. Mm. Uh, but having a, a purposeful goal into the future just makes everything, it makes everything work. You know, mm -hmm. you can get up in the morning and think, you know, what can I do today to take one step towards that that thing? Like with property investing, you know, you might want a portfolio of 19 properties, for example, and you haven't got any. But every day you get up, you can do something towards that, even if it's just buying uh, a local newspaper or placing an ad on Gumtree or something like that exploring potential tenancies or demand or, or whatever, you're taking a step towards that goal. And unless you have that goal, when you get up in the morning, you think, right, okay, what do I do? Oh, well, I might as well watch Good Morning Britain and Holly and Phil on the telly and, and it becomes aimless. Um, so I love goal setting. And as, as most people will know, I love Brian Main's goal setting. Uh, and the reason I love that methodology is that it embraces both the, the, the left and right sides of the brain. I mean, I know there's not a strict delineation, clearly, as we once thought there was, but there's definitely a, a, logic, a logic part and a creative part in some shape or form in the brain. And what Brian Main's goal setting does is it, it, it embraces the two parts and by by stimulating both sides of the brain you create more and i remember there was some research i think it was done way back in the 60s about brain activity and they took um, a group of scientists and a group group of artists you know so representing the two sides of the brain took them on a retreat and um and they taught them the other skill set so the scientists spent two weeks painting pictures making pots doing what we would call traditionally creative stuff. And the artists spent time doing maths and chemical experiments and that kind of stuff. And at the end of the two weeks, at the end of the retreat, they tested them again. And not only had the scientists developed some artistic skill and stimulated that part of the brain, but they'd also increased their ability as scientists because they'd awoken a part of their brain that wasn't normally brought into play in their normal day-to-day -day life and that made me realize as we all know how little of our brain that we use and what goal mapping does um, and goal setting is that it stimulates more active use of the brain so you know i could i could bore for england on this topic because it's such a media <laughs> and such an important one for me but um goal setting uh, absolutely love it do it draw it you know write it uh, pin it on the wall, pin it on the ceiling above your bed, mirror in the bathroom, just always be looking for somewhere future focused. And I think what that does, if you're looking future focused, and that's particularly true in something like this pandemic we're in now, when you're stuck indoors for 10 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it might be, it's very easy to become insular and to focused and become self-absorbed and, uh, and to become focused on you know day-to-day -day stuff 
by looking at your goals, it keeps you focused on a time beyond uh, this this pandemic and, and to a time and a place uh, that is better uh, and where we can return to some kind of normality. And what that does is it stops you getting too depressed and insular now because you're focused on something bigger than yourself and further away. And it's always good to have that, that big picture. That's really good. Yeah, that's very true. And to be honest with you, I never really thought about goal setting um, or never even considered it as a concept um, until I started property training. And it was on that very first three-day event that it was part of that 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 weekend. Um, yeah. And it, when I started at first, I was like, this felt really uncomfortable, really awkward, mm -hmm. didn't really understand what it was all about or why I was doing it. But the more involved I became with the whole process and the more personal development I did, um, it suddenly just becomes um, obvious as to why you should do it. And mm -hmm. now I, I can't imagine not having... Uh, um, a, um, a goal map or not having then my vision statement written down or whatever I, I couldn't imagine life without that now yeah yeah no it's a shame as Matt says I think people have a fear of failure and mm. um, the, they have a a fear of change of, of of even though you could convince them they would get better and perhaps be wealthier and whatever it may be, if they set goals and missions and, and so on. Some people are so resistant to change that um, they won't do it. And, and I have to tell you a quick story about somebody that used to work for me. When I was a sort of big CEO, I, you know, I had 400 people working for me. And um, I went in as a new CEO and I, I decided I was going to do some personal development work. So we got a, a selection of people from basically the shop floor. And there was one guy there that was um, every time, so we'd have like a, an hour session on a Wednesday afternoon and I'd try and teach them some stuff that wasn't directly related to insurance, which is what the business was. And this guy would always sit on the side and I'd be at the front and he would turn away from me and spend the entire hour looking out the window. And um, I spoke to him one-on-one -on -one and I said, you know, what, what's, the, what's your problem, Dave? Uh, and he said, well, you know, all of this flat trap's all right, he said, but it, it works for you because you've got money. And I said, well, you could have money. And he said, oh, no, I couldn't. You know, I'm just a whatever. I said, all right. I'll give you an hour a week, Dave, and we'll work one-on-one, -on -one, and I'll show you how you can have money. So he came, and we sort of set some goals. You know, he wanted X amount of money. Let's just say he wanted to be a millionaire. Set him some goals, set him some tasks to do, and then I started to break it down into chunks, and this is how you would get the money, and this is what you could do, and this is, you know, all the stuff that we normally teach. And after about three weeks, he came to me, and he said, I ain't coming anymore. And I said, why is that, Dave? He said, because you believe I can do it and I know I can't. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, wow. He said, you, you actually, he said, I thought you were just trailing me along. He said, but no, you believe I can do this. And he said, I know I can't. Wow. Yeah. That's what Henry Ford says, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And yeah. Um, uh, he was, uh, you know, he was stuck in the dark ages and um, he got frightened by the fact that I believed he could do it.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is probably more like fear of success as opposed to fear of failure. Yeah, that's right. What, yeah. What if he got, you know, what he wanted? Then what? You know? Yeah, then yeah. what? What's next? Yeah. How how do you handle that? How do you deal with success yeah. or being wealthy or whatever it might be? Yeah. Fear yeah. of the unknown. To yeah. have that choice. Yeah. 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 Yeah, God. Yeah. Ooh, well, um, I think I'm going to call us to order. Oh. Order. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> and um, just to have a say, thank you so much, Jill, for joining us uh, today on today's episode. Uh, yeah, so long. It's just so brilliant. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah we're delighted to have you on. <laughs> no, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've, I've loved it. Um, no, it's been been great fun uh, telling the story. It's good. So thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. For all our listeners, this is who we've been banging on about for the past few, 40 however many episodes we've been talking about. This is Jill. This is the one. She she does exist. She is real. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So, um, yeah, just to finish up, I'll say it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And I think it's a goodbye from me too. jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more on facebook search property jam podcast or you can follow us on instagram at property jam podcast or you can email us at property jam podcast at outlook.com see, see you on, on the next, next episode, episode.